Hello and welcome to the Investing on the Go podcast brought to you by Fund Calibre. I'm Ryan Lightfoot Amanoff, and today I have the pleasure of being joined by Ben Peters, the elite rated manager of the Even Loads Global Income Fund. Ben, thank you very much for your time. No trouble. Now, inflation has been sort of the buzzword of the year. It's making headlines at the moment all across the world. Mm-hmm. Um, we all know how it's impacting us as individuals, but how is it impacting companies? Um, you've got a couple of firms in there that have mentioned it in their financial results. Um, so how is it impacting the portfolio as a whole? Yeah, I mean, it's it really is the sort of hot topic um, from a personal uh, finance point of view, but also from, from a corporate finance point of view. Uh, as well. And really, inflation is impacting. It's, it's not just a couple of companies, it's, it's impacting all companies in in some way. Um, and quite how it's affecting companies is uh, dependent on exactly the sector the company is in, exactly where it does business, uh, but it is quite generalised. So you're looking at raw material, raw material cost increases. Uh, energy is a big, big topic, of course, um, following Russia's invasion of Ukraine, um, wage inflation as well is coming through, um, and other things like transportation. So it's pretty broad, broad based. Um, there, there are some sectors and some companies that have been more affected than others. So the consumer goods sector is one that has felt more immediately the, the impact of inflation uh, because it's sort of affected uh, their, their basic input costs um, pretty much across the board. But it's by no means just consumer goods, goods companies. So electronic equipment makers. Um, medical devices companies, sort of you name it, and, and companies are feeling the effects of effects of inflation right now. Thank you. And you see, you seeing this you said across different sectors, but are you seeing it as a problem all around the world, or are there some areas, some geographies that are facing fewer inflation problems? Yeah, it, it is pretty pretty broad broad based uh, around the world, and I think that um, whilst it has been in, impacting input costs. Uh, and so, therefore, has been affecting the margins of, uh, of some businesses. Um, we've also started to see it affecting a company's ability to supply goods and get them out of the door. So, so for example, um, Cisco, the uh, networking hardware and software company, uh, they said that um, they were having difficulty getting power supply units. And this was as a, re- as a result of the um, recent lockdown in China. And what that meant was that they couldn't fulfill customer orders so they were very much seeing a good demand for those products, uh, but their ability to finish them and get them out of out of the warehouse and to 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 customers was limited. So, um, so we are seeing it um, across the world, but it's also it's not just inflation. There are some issues with with supply chains which are a bit deeper than that. And what impact do you think this is going to have on on demand? So do you think that? companies can be resilient in the face of these rising prices? And will it be different for both consumer-facing businesses and business-facing businesses? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. And, and so far, the picture has been one of very strong demand, actually. Um, so to say the Cisco example, again, you know, they've got a record order book. So the, so the issue really isn't in uh, them, them um, having demand for their, for their goods and for their services, uh, more the issue has been in, in finishing the products. Now, I should say this hasn't been a disaster for that company, or or indeed any other company that we've uh, that we've been looking at. But um, uh, but certainly, it's a story and something they're they're having to manage very very uh, closely at the moment. Um, I think that's that's broadly true in the consumer facing world as well. Um, so far, I think demand has been robust, and I think perhaps surprisingly robust in the face of increasing prices. And I think that there, there are a lot of different reasons for that. I think coming out of the, of the pandemic, people had a lot of savings 
um, uh, which isn't, has enabled them to, um, uh, to, to weather price increases overall so far. Um, clearly, everything has a limit, and, and whether that is the case into the future, we, we, we will have to wait and see. Um, but the, but companies are being reasonably um, uh, cautious about putting prices through to end customers. They're not uh, just taking all of their input cost inflation and saying, right, well, here you are, com- customer, here, here's all that inflation in one go. Uh, they're being very measured about taking it stepwise and making sure that uh, the, 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 the market, um, the customer can, can weather those price rises. And I think that those, we're talking about companies that have dealt with inflation in the, in the past, they do know how to deal with uh, inflation, uh, and I think in this in this bout, um, it's been more acute than anything we've seen for quite a long time. So the usual dynamics uh, that that companies use to pass on prices price increases to to consumers, it will take a little bit longer to pass through this time, uh, but they're, they're already uh, started on that journey. And now turning to your portfolio and the fund you run, which is a yeah, well, like I say, global equity income portfolio. How can this help with investors to combat inflation, and perhaps for those who are retired as well, and, and like that income stream coming in? Yeah, well, so something that is good about the the types of companies that we look for, so companies that um, generate a lot of cash, they can use that cash to. Um, Reinvest in their in their business, uh, but also some of it goes on to pay dividends to to um, the the shareholders, which ultimately are our our unit holders in the even though global income fund. Um, it, something we like about those companies is their ability to keep on investing uh, whilst also paying that dividend. So we when we analyze a company, we we are looking for companies that will that will be able to invest. Through thick and thin, and clearly recent years have, have thrown up a number of different challenges. Currently, there's inflation. There was there was lockdown, and if you go back a little bit further, there was the great financial crisis. And these companies have been able to continuously invest in their in their goods and services, whether that's a consumer facing company uh, like a Nestle, whether it's a Cisco that I've already mentioned, Hexagon in the world of. Uh, of information technology as well, um, they 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 can all um, use some of their cash flow to invest and continue investing through these more volatile times, uh, but also pay a growing dividend, and that's quite good from an inflation protection point of view. Uh, there's no perfect hedge for inflation, but, but as far as uh, as financial instruments go, these are they, these are not not too bad. Um, Something that we have been seeing with companies is that is them using some of their cash flow to invest in things like uh, inventory, um, which means that they are more resilient to some of these um, difficulties that are going on in the in the global supply chain and global economy. Um, so that does stand them really in good stead to continue paying dividends into the future. Uh, interesting. Thank you. Um, uh, recently, some of your team went to the US uh, to meet some of the companies out there. Um, what exactly did they discover sort of on the ground meeting the companies? Uh, yeah, well, it's, it's been great to be able to get out and uh, and do do on the ground research. I didn't join the trip this time; it was my, it was my colleagues. Um, but I, I I think it's a little early to draw conclusions. They only got back last week, so <laughs> and they did a lot of meetings. So we'll have to let them uh, um, uh, digest uh, everything that they found. I think they did thirty eight meetings in total. Um, so uh, yeah, there's a lot of information there. But I think the, the the first observation that I have from this side of the pond, at least, is that they had those meetings and they they were meeting you know, very senior members of management um, teams who are very keen, I think, to talk to investors and you know talk about what the what those businesses are doing. 
Um, and I don't know whether that's sort of pent up demand for human human interaction, um, but also, you know, I think that the people are, are really keen to now get out, tell, tell their story uh, to investors. And we've been been able to go in and um, uh, and find out a little bit in a little bit more detail about what these companies are, are up to. And, and certainly something about, you know, it's very nice about going to uh, a different uh, country to see companies in their home environment as you get a sense of the culture in that business. Uh, I know some of the, some of my team have uh, come back and they're, they're, they've been talking about the campuses that they visited. And I think it's really hard to get that sense uh, of a company when you're talking to them on, on, on Zoom and Teams, uh, which has been a, a good way of keeping in touch through the pandemic. Uh, but I think now, you know, going out and, and talking to people where they are, uh, I can see a lot, a lot more of that happening. Uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll wait to draw our conclusions and perhaps update you in, in the next podcast. Yeah, well, we look forward to hearing about that. Um, and now sort of turning our attention to other parts of the portfolio, you only hold a couple of um, holdings in, in Asia. It's a very, very big region globally, but not much exposure for yourselves. Why is that? Um, well, if you look at the uh, underlying revenues of the even though global income portfolio, actually around 20% of the revenues come from the Asia-Pacific region. So we're certainly not averse to businesses that do business in, in that um, geography. Um, the reason we don't have uh, so many uh, businesses that are listed there is because we can access the uh, the long-term attractive uh, economic dynamics of, the, of those geographies through uh, developed market uh, listed uh, companies. And that comes with a couple of benefits. Um, uh, one is that you, 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 you overall get um, uh, more robust governance um, within those structures. And, and that's not to take anything away from what's happening in, in the companies uh, in emerging economies and in, in Asia Pacific, uh, particularly, but you get sort of um, what, what we think is the gold standard of governance. Um, and then also there's a, there's a valuation uh, argument. So um, we do see good value in, in the businesses within the portfolio. Um, those businesses do business in the Asia Pacific region as well as uh, lots of other geographies around the world. Um, and we get the kind of uh, the gold standard corporate governance to boot. So uh, nothing against uh, businesses in that region, um, but we happen to, we happen to access it uh, through through developed market listed businesses predominantly at the current time. Sounds very sensible. Um, that's the end of um, my questions, Ben. So uh, thank you very much for your time today. My pleasure. Thank you very much. And if you'd like to find out more about the elite rated Even Lowe's Global Income Funds, please visit our website, frontcaliber.com. And to make sure you stay up to date with all of our podcasts, please don't forget to like and subscribe via your usual channels.